Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Saturday, September the 18th, 2021. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are digging into the eight biggest diet problems and how to overcome them and hopefully provide you with some solutions to help you guys transform your habits, rituals, and routines to have this healthy, functionally fit, amazing body as you move through this journey we call life here. Um, we're actually going to be playing off of a piece from Precision Nutrition where Krista Scott Dixon and MJ uh, Pierre put this together. And they basically pulled like 100,000 uh, of the clients that they work with over time uh, at PN. And uh, they have some great uh, statistics that I'm going to throw out here and share as well. And then kind of walk through the eight biggest problems that they found and then some solutions of how to try to navigate that. And I think most of you, if you're listening and you do struggle um, with your eating habits or your drinking habits, and maybe that's your uh, Achilles heel or that's your bugaboo, uh, if you will, we can uh, maybe alleviate some of that. And obviously, in theory, we all know we should eat better. Uh, and not drink as much booze and, uh, you know, do the things that are dragging us down. So in theory, it's simple. It's the daily application that's tough. And not just in a single day, but the consistent adherence over time is which separates people who are in shape and the people who are not in shape. It's the same way you look at finances. Uh, we had Michael Bradley on the podcast yesterday talking about uh, just money habits and what people are willing to do and not do. It's the same thing there. The people who tend to be, you know, financially successful, and the ones who tend to, you know, struggle with money. It's the daily habits. They people know they shouldn't be spending way more money than they make. And so, in theory, that's simple. It's the daily practice. It's delaying gratification for something that you can't see yet, which is very, very hard to do because it's not fun in the moment. And uh, you're doing something that your future self is going to thank you for. And in the world, I think that's always been tough, but uh, especially today in the microwave culture we're in, it is very, uh, it's very tough to see things through when you're not seeing the promise pay off just yet. But before I go deep into the podcast, we are brought to you by, you already know what I'm going to say, my homies at Athletic Greens, the one thing I take every single day. If you're somebody out there who struggles to eat enough vegetables, hand goes up, even myself, this would be the thing that I would take. Now, obviously, real food is always going to be the key. If you can eat everything, then you don't need the supplements. But be honest with yourself. Do you eat like 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day, seven days a week, 365? Almost nobody can answer yes to that. Uh, I'm nowhere near that. It's just impossible. Digestion alone, uh, timing, prep. I'm just, if I didn't have a job, I guess it'd be way easier, but I don't know if my body could handle even with that. So obviously I supplement with athletic greens. I eat the best I can around that. I'll throw in bananas, blueberries, asparagus, these things, but that's not nearly enough. So I rip a pack, throw it in water, slam it, and I'm good to go. It is the best tasting greens on the planet by far. Uh, I used to play this stupid game in college. Uh, it was uh, Edward 40 hands where you tape uh, 40s to your hands uh, like Old English or Mickey's uh, Ice House, malt liquor, disgusting. And uh, I couldn't drink as fast as some other people. So by the time I got to the second 40, it was like 
piss warm and I had to choke that down and I did that and that was stupid and I was an idiot and so if you can drink that you certainly can drink Athletic Greens. So if you guys want to check it out, the site athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott will give you a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs for their first order. And if you've heard me talk about it a million times and you're still on the fence or you're, you have another Greens product but it tastes like hot trash, hit me up and I'll have Monica send you a pack right to your front door 100% for free. I don't care where you live. We will get you a pack. You can try it. Then get hooked up with all the free stuff. Otherwise, if you're ready to jump on the train and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free packs, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott gets you hooked up. Also, we're brought to you by my homies at BeamCBD, uh, beamtlc.com. If you put the code in Jeremy Scott, you get 20% off all products, 35% off all subscriptions. It's my nightly CBD sleep aid. There is no THC in it. It will not get you high, but it will help you stay asleep and fall asleep, and you'll wake up feeling like a badass, not groggy and tired. Heather also uses the tincture and the salves. If you guys want to sample of that, we have those laying around too. I'm happy to send some out to you. Uh, again, it's not habit-forming. And uh, if you struggle with sleep, which is going to affect, obviously, your hormones, how lean you can be, how much muscle you can build, I would check it out. Again, the site, beamtlc.com. The code is Jeremy Scott. Or hit us up for a sample. I got a couple other sponsors here. I'm going to throw the Joey's Hot Sauce sponsor into the show notes. My homie's at JLab Pro, where we get our protein, turmeric, collagen, and krill oils. JeremyScottFitness.JLabPro.com. They almost always have discount codes if you guys want to check out their stuff. The collagen, we always have a discount code, and also the protein as well. Also, we do have a free supplement guide if you guys have never checked it out. Hit me up. We'll send it to you. And then last but not least, uh, we're brought to you by our friends at Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. This is the best tasting bone broth there is. If you can't tell, I'm a huge fan of eating and drinking things I like. Uh, For a long time in my life, I used to drink and eat shit just for the purpose of it. Uh, I'm kind of over that. When I was dead broke, I used to eat tuna and oatmeal probably three times a day. And I know that sounds like a disgusting combination, and it most certainly is. But I found if the oatmeal was kind of, uh, how do I say this, soggy, like I could dump the tuna in there, mix it up together, and I could choke it down a lot faster. Basically just like bite, chew, swallow real quick. And uh, it, it scarred me for life. I'll, I don't, I'll never eat tuna again, for sure. I can eat oatmeal uh, once again. It's kind of like if you ever get shit-faced off, like, Captain and Coke when you're in high school. Uh, just the smell of Coke uh, just sets me off into a whole different place I don't want to be. But I digress. Uh, we've hooked up with the people at Kettle and Fire Bone Broth. I do love the chicken flavor and the beef as well. That's tend uh, to be the ones I gravitate towards. If you guys don't know bone broth, uh, way too many benefits for me to list right off the bat, but if you're talking gut health, digestion, um, can support skin, hair, and nails, uh, honestly, even better sleep. And for you guys who are into you know keto, paleo, or intermittent fasting, it can help kind of enhance Uh, those results. And again, I like these guys, not only for the flavor, but they don't add a bunch of extra sodium, no fake colors or sweeteners, no antibiotics, nor hormones, and no added preservatives. It's about as real as you get. If you guys want to check it out, I can hit you up with the link. Uh, Otherwise, if you do go on the site, you can always use the code SCOTT, S-C-O-T-T 20 for 20% off all of their bone broths. 
Uh, I sometimes like to sip this as I'm making my meals, or especially in the wintertime, or at least when it's not 120 here. Uh, I'll throw that into the mix, and that's kind of how we do things. So, again, if you guys want to check it out, Kettle on Fire Bone Broth, I can shoot you guys the link. Otherwise, if you hop on the site, you can always put in the code SCOTT, S-C-O-T-T-20, for 20% off. So, we are going to talk about how to overcome the eight biggest diet issues most people have per the poll here from Precision Nutrition. Oh, also a reminder, you guys, we do have our intermittent fasting for fat loss program kicking off. It's 28 days long. It, um, the site is jeremyscottfitness.com slash intermittent-fasting. I'm going to put the link in my Instagram bio by Monday for sure. It'll come out on our newsletter uh, Monday as well. If you guys are not in the newsletter, hit me up. I'm happy to add you guys to that so you get all the free stuff that we send out there. But we tend to run this program once a year. Uh, we've updated some of the workouts to throw in some of the Sunday Advanced Metcons in there. But again, we walk you through all the dieting protocols of kind of how to how to fast, honestly. Like we walk through kind of like a, an outline of what like meal plans would look like. We walk you through obviously all the supplements and those things, but different protocols to find what would work for you in your lifestyle. It doesn't mean you're going to fast every single day. You're not going to eat exactly the way that I eat unless you really wanted to. But we give you options based on how you're training, what you do for work, when you train, uh, and just what your overall goal is. And so it's kind of a, a neat way to get a deep dive into intermittent fasting. And then obviously, we take you through the workouts as well and, and rip your face off with those. So we're kicking that off, I believe... I'm looking at my sheet right October the 4th, but you have 14 days from now to register. And I'm happy to give you guys a small podcast discount code if you're interested in that. Again, that's our 28-day intermittent fasting for fat loss challenge kicking off October the 5th. And we'll hook you up with a couple of bucks off if that makes life easier and you want to learn more about fasting and get to kind of, you know, pick my brain and then obviously work out with us uh, as well. It can be done anywhere. As long as you have internet access, you can do the workouts, read the info, and we can coach you where you are at. So again, jeremyscottfitness.com slash in a minute dash fasting. So I'm going to go through um, the biggest issues that they found with people's eating. And I'm going to read through more than the top eight, but I just want to go through the biggest nutritional challenges uh people tend to have and this is this maps pretty close to what I've seen here over the past let's say I don't know 15 years or so my demographic might be slightly bigger and each one of you can probably relate to one of these in one way or another because we all have a struggle right um with everything in life and it's it's different degrees of that I think a lot of times on the outside, people think fitness professionals or people, whatever the hell you call what I do for a living anymore is. Obviously, I still coach humans and that's a huge part of my day. But with the internet, we film so much content and then uh, we're presenting content. We're sharing these things with you guys. Uh, we're designing workouts, programs, and then we have to do our own stuff. And I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, these guys love working out. Uh, it's, it's all they ever want to do. It's super easy for them. And most of the time, it's true. Most of the time, like, I really enjoy training. Most of the time, it's not like pulling teeth. And, and I want to be here. And I always know the benefits. And I always know the payoff. But there's days where, 
you just lack motivation or you're tired or hangry or you got 14 other things going on in your life and the last fucking thing you want to do is push yourself through a grinding workout which is why I would would tell you guys to integrate things like play into your life and fun fitness activities outside of the gym hiking biking paddle boarding uh, swimming you name it whatever you enjoy doing do more of that shit and honestly just today like right now I'm tired uh had a busy week so far I have dinner tonight with friends late which is uh I mean late for me is anything after probably four o'clock so I'll be on the struggle bus uh and then tomorrow we're going to the Vikings game which will be super cool but I didn't want to train today uh, I'm on the bike, I'm riding it, I'm pushing a sled, I'm doing walking lunges, I'm just gutting through it. And we all have that from time to time. And then some of us have it with eating on a deeper level, where there's this lack of either motivation or, how do I want to phrase this? There's a lack of urgency, and getting your shit together in terms of how you eat and drink. And a lot of times, most people don't change it until something makes them change it. They have a heart attack. Uh, they're pre-diabetic or they become diabetic or they have a loved one pass away because they were obese and, and they had some health issues and it was their wake-up call. And hopefully this prompts anybody out there who's struggling to you know, kind of flip the switch and not wait until you have some catastrophic moment because that's, you know, we're in the epidemic of that of obesity and uh, not being healthy and not really controlling the shit that we put in our body and all of you can relate to one of these so if we asked everyone who's listening right now what is the biggest nutritional challenge you have and per the poll here number one by 63 percent emotional and stress eating right off the bat now if I share a personal story super quick I don't really fall into this Often, um, if ever. Honestly, when I get super stressed, which is honestly, knock on wood, a pretty rare, uh, I tend to go the other way and not eat and really just kind of forget to eat because I feel so shitty. Uh, I know a lot of you go the other way where you want to just, I guess, drown the, the stress or drown the emotions in amazing food, which sounds awesome at the time. The problem is it just digs that hole deeper for you to get out of later. Uh, and if I'm a little bit stressed that I might kind of gravitate towards that, but if I'm really feeling it where it's just like you have this overwhelming, like uncertainty or anxiety, I guess I could go back to the early pandemic when, uh, they're saying a lot of shit that, you know, thankfully never came true. Uh, I I had a couple of days there where I was like, fuck dude, I didn't eat, I didn't eat the whole day, which is not, you know, uncommon for me. But I didn't even want to eat. Like I'd get, I'd work here all day. I'd get home at like five o'clock, and I'm like, I don't even want to eat anything. But I know I have to, or I'm gonna, you know, wither away to nothing. But a lot of people go the other way, and they overeat and they binge eat when they're stressed and they have emotions, and that's kind of how they cope with it. The second one is just lack of planning. You know, a lot of people they fail to plan the meals, and I'm not saying you have to map out every single meal every day, but you should have a general idea of kind of what you're doing. But lack of planning was number two. Cravings is number three. Snacking, even when you're not hungry, was four, because a lot of people with boredom. Eating too quickly was next on the list. Having a sweet tooth, next one would be eating out frequently. Next one to that is large portions. 
After that, we're talking wine and alcohol, which I do think for a lot of people that is higher on the list, but that is where it ranks here. The next one, if people don't know what they should eat, which is hard for me to believe. I understand that in some context, but you know you should eat real food and, and fruits and vegetables. Like, you know that. Like, it runs, it swims, it flies, it grows from the ground, and that's it. Like, that's the game. Like, real food. Things that are not overly processed like crazy. But that is on the list here. Uh, obviously, people who don't like to cook is next on there. Then there is family and peer pressure, which is next to an unsupportive environment. Now, I know some people do have, again, all of you have one of these, most definitely. If I was to be honest and look at myself, what is the one that I would struggle with the most? Mm, I guess eating too quickly would be my biggest thing, but I've gotten way better at that. I used to struggle with uh, the lack of planning, and I used to give in to cravings as well, and then eating too quickly. But now I've gotten to a good place in my life. But again, it's taken me forever to get here. But a lot of you, you might have family and peer pressure, number one. Or you in your home life, like where your husband or wife is not on board, you might have unsupportive environment be number one. But all of us struggles with one of these. And honestly, most people know kind of what they should be eating. That's why I'm always a fan of joining a program, uh, getting with a coach, having a community that can help you because it does go a long way especially if you're, you have some uncertainty, like to have a sounding board in an awesome inner circle works for everything in life, not just business and success and those things. It works with your eating and your training. Uh, I was joking the other day, uh, somebody tagged me in a, they were skiing like a hundred, a hundred cals on Instagram. And then my dude Jack here shot me a message and he was just making a comment and I was writing him back, and what I said was, you know, you, you can't be a, a killer if you don't hang around a lot of killers. You know, and it, it takes a group of savages to kind of make you a savage. And I was referring to the guy in the, the 100 cal ski, and he did great. But if it was done here in a group of people, you tend to go a lot faster. You tend to push yourself further than you ever would. You're willing to go to lengths and do things that other people won't do. And the phrase we use all the time, rising tides raise all ships, it's true. It goes the same for your eating. If you hang around a bunch of people who, you know, only drink beer and eat fucking cheese curds all day, like, you're probably going to be those people. If you hang around people who make healthy food choices, they drink water, they eat real food, you know, they like to throw vegetables into most of their meals, you're probably going to gravitate and be like the middle of those people. It works in everything in life and your training habits, eating habits, drinking habits, and lifestyle habits tend to map and mirror the people who are closest to you. If you don't believe me, step back for a second and take a good look and see where you're at. So if we go into the biggest challenges, like the first one, number one, I can't stop, you know, stress eating and emotional eating. What you have to do is understand when this behavior is occurring and who it occurs around and, and what sets it off, right? Is it every time you talk to your mom, every time you talk to your dad? Is it, you know, you have what we used to call the Sunday sickness where you have anxiety on Sunday because you hate your job so much on Monday, it leads you to make, you know, poor decisions. 
or maybe it's the the reminder of something. Uh, you know how music can kind of take you back to a certain you know era uh, and time of life, and you kind of like reminisce about it. Like I'm trying to think of me specifically. If I hear, I remember a long time ago when I was young, uh, younger, I should say. I got a ticket uh, for my birthday to uh, Usher and Kanye West. This is before Usher's like still banging and Kanye has just like one album that just came out, which, you know, that's what kind of set him on fire. But uh, this is before he's like super, super uh, popular. And actually John Legend was actually at the concert too, just playing piano. This is before John Legend's John Legend. Those are the best concerts too, by the way. When you can go to them... Before everybody like blows up, blows up, which is pretty badass. But and I remember he played, uh, Kanye played Jesus Walks, and the whole, the entire Target Center is just going fucking berserk. Like it was amazing. But the memory I always have if I hear um, Usher, uh, not just Let It Burn, but uh, You Got It Bad. I think when that song came out, I played it for probably three weeks straight on repeat, twenty four hours a day. My college roommates definitely wanted to punch me right in my face or even stab me in the heart because they're probably so annoyed by it. But I literally played that song nonstop. And so anytime I hear it now, I can remember, you know, like my sophomore-ish year of college, like and what it smelled like, you know, in the dorms, which is not pleasant. And just what it was like to be there and how my feelings were when I would, you know, watch college football and when I would go to basketball practice and all the things I did in college that reminded me of that era. And for some people, even hearing those songs bring back poor memories and that can put them into an emotional state, which leads them to make poor eating and drinking choices. As crazy as that sounds, that does happen for people. It might be Seeing something uh, on social media can put you in a bad mood and it, and it sets off these emotional triggers because emotional eating and these intense cravings that people get are part of a behavior pattern that's usually triggered by a specific experience, a thought, a feeling, or a situation. And if you can identify the trigger, you can kind of change the pattern of behavior and you can make different choices. And so if you notice yourself feeling a certain way leading you to make uh, these decisions, you have to do whatever is necessary to kind of break the chain. And sometimes it's work related, right? And I don't have kids. And so I know a lot of you guys that might play into it, where your kids are acting up and doing like some, some crazy shit, that would be tough. I know a lot of people, uh, if you watch the news, that can set people off, which is why I'm, I do not watch the news and believe any of that horse shit they throw out there. Uh, but if it's your job and those things, you have to really identify why and kind of a, apply this kind of step-by-step -step strategy to build alternatives. Instead of eating cinnamon rolls, you're going to do X, replacing the activity with something that is actually beneficial. But the biggest key is to identify what sets you off, when it sets you off, and what are you going to do next time to kind of break the cycle of what's been you know, pulling you into making these poor food choices, which which does make you feel good in the moment, which is why it's so tough. But in the big picture, it just digs your hole deeper if you're trying to lose weight or, you know, make a real lifestyle change. The second one here, the people who don't plan meals. And the survey that they uh, threw out had 53% of the men and women check the box. 
And the good news is, is there's a really easy way to solve this one. You have to really think about the importance of planning meals, like anything else in life. It's why I will talk about, you know, tracking macros with people so often. Is it fun? No. Is it boring? Yeah. Uh, do I honestly like looking through food logs? No, it's super boring to see what, you know, Roger ate on a Wednesday, but it does help him and it holds him accountable. And then there's an education process that goes into tracking macros so you make better food choices in the future. So you understand what a banana is. You understand what 14 ounces of steak are. It's it's a cycle you just have to go through. And not forever, but you manage it like anything else you manage in your life. And it's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, I do think that initial logging period is important. And over time, it becomes just like this habit and routine of where you probably don't even have to log it because you just know. And you know how you look. You know how you're moving. You know how you're feeling. It's the same thing with planning meals. If we go two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Like on the one hand, you got the person that puts no effort into what they're going to eat later in the day, tomorrow, or the rest of the week. And most of the decisions they make are when they're already hungry or hangry. And they're just looking in the cabinet, they're looking in the fridge, or they're going to the drive-thru, especially if they reach that kind of hangry point where they're hungry and angry. And, you know, they're, they're quote-unquote, they're starving, or at least they feel like they are, and all bets are off. Anything they can grab and shove in their mouth, like that's what's going to happen. That's not a good place to be. And then you can go on the far right side where person B spends all Sunday grocery shopping, prepping the food, making seven breakfast, lunches, and dinners, packing it away into containers. Nothing's left to chance. Everything is mapped out. Obviously, option one, I don't think works for anybody. This intuitive eating of like not having any fucking clue what's going to go in your mouth from one day to the next or one meal to the next, a lot of people can't be successful that way. Now, admittedly, I don't map out everything I'm going to do, but if I only eat once a day, and if things go crazy, like, a, you know, twice a day, uh, I pretty much know what it's going to be because I have a certain set of guidelines that I follow. And if you're person B and you map out every single meal, that can be a lot for most people. It's really daunting. And honestly, who wants to eat food that's five days old? Tastes like shit. I'm not a fan of it either. But there is an opportunity in between that doesn't really require you to have this complex meal plan and outline because I don't think meal plans work. I think outlines are good samples to play off of, but ultimately you have to find something that fits your lifestyle that's attainable for the long run. And so what I would suggest is just having an understanding of what your days and weeks are going to look like. So I tell people, just write this down on a pen and paper. I'm going to eat two, three, four meals a day, every day, six days a week, seven days a week, whatever you're going to do. You have your cheats and treats, whenever, but you map those out too. And you just write them down and you have a general idea. I eat in every meal, protein, vegetables, and some healthy fats. And then if I'm working out and training, maybe I have some grains too. That's it. Nothing more complex than that. You just really figure it out. I'm going to have a steak and some broccoli and some carrots and some cucumbers. And then maybe the next meal, you're going to have chicken 
and you're going to have some Brussels sprouts and some asparagus and some cauliflower rice. It's not real complex. If you find yourself going out to dinner, obviously you can look at the menu beforehand and that's where you plan your cheats and treats and just have a general idea and maybe make a spontaneous decision when you're at the restaurant. But if you're really worried about it, like you can always get a salad and you can always get vegetables if you don't want to eat french fries or if you want to eat the fries, fuck it, eat them. And then just make sure the meals before and after obviously make sense because you're having a general outline and this has been planned out for a day or two ahead of time. Again, you can always check these menus online, you guys. It's not rocket science. I do it every every time we go anywhere. And you'd be amazed at like how simple that approach is to not only increase the quality of your meals, but the quality of your life and taking, you know, out any anxiety you're gonna have. And again, meal plans that are mapped out for you really do suck. They they don't help you in the long run. Uh, I'd rather, you know, teach you guys how to fish than just give you a fish because the minute you got something thrown at you, that meal plan tends to go to shit. Unlike tonight, we're going out to dinner with friends and, and they admittedly have went out to dinner way less in the last two years than I have in my entire life. And probably for the better, honestly, like I'm way healthier now. And uh, not that I make poor food choices because I really don't when we go out to eat because I don't want to feel like shit. That's what drives almost all my decisions. And it's an Italian restaurant, but they have steak, chicken. Uh, they do have pizzas there too, which look great. But pizza tends to fuck me up, so we'll see what we do. Uh, but I looked at the menu, and I'm like, oh, okay, this place seems cool. I would never go somewhere and have zero idea of what they serve out, because I like to just generally know, here's what I can order, and I can kind of fit into my day. And so if they're known for something, like for meatballs or french fries, I'm happy to throw those in, because I know when they're going to come in my week. I've mapped it out. It's odd to me that people put so minimal effort into tracking macros or grocery shopping or planning meals with their family or themselves and expect to be successful when there's literally no other area of your life that you just, you know, freelance through and you find great success. Like if you're financially successful, you you have a plan of here's what I make, here's what I spend, here's what I'm going to invest, here's what I'm going to save, here's big purchases that are coming up, Here's an emergency fund. Here's what I put into retirement. Here's what I pull into real estate. Like you have a plan. And if you don't, you're probably broke as shit. It's the same way. If you don't have a plan for your eating, you're probably not super healthy. And this is not rocket science, you guys. This is Saturday right now. It's one o'clock. I could be sitting on my ass right now just watching football for the next five hours till I have to go to dinner. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with escapism. Do it if you enjoy it. But if you're spending five hours a week watching football, or five hours a week watching Netflix, or five hours a week scrolling through social media, but you don't spend 30 minutes mapping out your meals and what's going to go into them, you don't give a fuck about being healthy. You just don't. And I'm not trying to bag on anybody. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but it's just the truth. If you look at what people value and you look at what they give a shit about, it's how they spend their time and it's how they spend their money. That's it. It's as simple as that. And this is the machine that you take through life. Like, this is going to go with you as you watch football. This is going to go with you when you do everything else. And you don't have to spend five hours a week on it. But you got to spend more than five seconds on it. Number three, the people that eat too quickly. Um, this one is not super high on the list for a lot of people. But it's the number one issue for most dudes uh, in this poll. Because nearly 60% of the guys uh, were guilty of this. 
And I've talked about this before. Uh, how many times did we, what do we say on the podcast? We did this already where it was like you chew your food. It should be an average of like 28 times or 38 times before you swallow, which almost nobody does. If you look at people scarfing down like pizza, for example, it's more like watching your dog eat. It's like two chomps and then they swallow it. When I give my dog treats sometimes, I'm like, do you even taste that? I like to slow down. But your dog can't. The good thing is you can. And if you just slow down your eating, it's super effective. The art of just consciously slowing down, chewing a couple more times than you're used to, even taking a couple of breaths between your bites, it can help you eat less and you guys won't feel as deprived. And I do say just slowing down because I've been guilty of this too. And a lot of times if you go too long without eating, people can get, you know, and that's when you're fasting, I bring it up because our fasting challenge is coming up. When you're fasting, that's a problem. That's a mistake people can get into. Um, one, people are afraid to be hungry, but on the flip side, some people wait way too long. And then when they get food in front of them, it's just like all bets are off. They're just chomping, chomping, and it's crazy. And what you do when you eat too fast is you don't give your body a chance to understand what the fuck is going on. And all of a sudden you've eaten all this food and it hasn't even got to your stomach yet. Like it's just, it's just getting there. It's just, it's in the process of getting there and filling it up. And all of a sudden you realize like, holy shit, I ate way too much, way too fast. I'm overly stuffed and overly bloated. And now I feel like a disgusting monster for the next, you know, six hours, 10 hours until it dissipates. Thanksgiving comes to mind. I used to eat like that on Thanksgiving. It's been um, probably three or four years uh, where I don't do that on Thanksgiving anymore. I slow the fuck down. I still eat way too much, but not to the point of where it hurts. And I feel like I have to just lay on my side because I can't move. I'm over that shit. Uh, Nothing. And I love Thanksgiving food, right? But nothing tastes good enough for me to feel like complete garbage. And what I've found is if you turn off screens... And if a lot of times, like I will throw a game on when I eat dinner because I come home and it's kind of like my time to decompress. But usually I make things that I have to cut. So like steak, for example, or chicken sausage. And my dog tends to eat about 20% of my macros at all times. So that does help uh, (laughs) me stay lean. But I've found where if I slow down, and since personally I only eat one time a day, I really do appreciate the process of it. I try to kind of savor every bite. Uh, as it goes in. And what I found over time with drinking water with my meals, always, uh, I tend to kind of fill up and then I let myself kind of sit there and I don't speed through the process. So if I eat steak and potatoes and let's say asparagus, I take my time, I eat it and then I just sit there. I let it digest, I hang out. And then even if I'm hungry, I just wait. I'll try to drink at least like 50 ounces of water. I like to buy the big 50 ounce actually uh, jugs because it's easier for me to kind of control it that way for some reason instead of like having a gallon, which I think gets real disgusting in a hurry. But I do that and all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I was going to go grab, you know, some more potatoes or I was going to go make myself uh, an Ezekiel muffin with peanut butter, but I don't need that right now because I'm actually full. Now, if I speed through that process, I'm going to shove in so much shit Before you know it, I'm going to have consumed a thousand calories more than I wanted to or needed to. So the art of just chewing your food more, really being mindful when you eat, 
And if you can be a normal human and have a conversation with like your husband or wife, I do think that does slow it down. What I've noticed is when I was younger, we used to eat out with friends and I would just scarf my food down. And I'm not saying I, I don't do that from time to time, but if I'm in a real conversation with real people, not some surface level shit where you're like, Oh, how's the weather today? Like that's so, I cannot stand that nonsense. It's so it's the number one most worthless conversation topic in the world is talking about weather and people do it all the time, especially here in Arizona. Oh, it's hot today. Yeah, I know, dude. It's, it's the fucking desert. It's always hot here. It's like being in Minnesota in February. Oh, hey, Rick, it's, uh, it's cold today. Yeah, we know, dude. It's, you betcha. Yeah, it is always cold there. My point is, is when I'm having a real conversation at dinner with somebody and it's engaging and it's real stuff, whether we're talking about health um, or families um, or finance or future planning or reminiscing on memories and just shooting the shit, when I'm engaged, I tend to eat much slower because I'll eat, I'll take a bite, and then I'm talking. And I'll sit there and then I'll go back to it. And I tend to eat way less out at dinners doing it that way than if I was to go by myself and get a pizza because I'd just be a complete fat ass and I don't want to be that. So chew your food longer. Try to engage in the process of eating. Slow things down. Drink water with it. And I think that can help. Number four, the sweet tooth. The people who love chocolate. Cookies, M&M's. Or anything rolled in sugar and fat. That's normal. Uh, I would say about half of people probably struggle with this. Um, it's typically not just the sweetness that appeals you know, to your taste buds, your belly, and your brain. It's the combination of sugar, fat, and salt that makes food so fucking irresistible. Um, there's even a special name for it. It's called uh, hyperpalatable. And a lot of times people will say sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Um, I've never done cocaine, so I don't know. But I'm going to guess that that's incorrect. And the reason I say that is when we talk about just sugar, like if it's just table sugar, I don't think just plain table sugar is so irresistible. We all want to snort it, eat it, uh, and consume it. Like, I don't think that's the thing. Now, if you gave me the world's best cinnamon rolls, they got a little bit of salt, they got sugar, and they got some fat in there that are, like, hot, warm. Like, the first, I'm trying to think, like, some. Like, I don't love Krispy Kreme. No no knock on them. They're, I'm sure they're a fine company. Uh, I have not had a Krispy Kreme in probably... 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, who knows. But I remember when I had the first one uh, in college, actually. I was a, was a sophomore in college. We are traveling, and I remember we were at a Krispy Kreme. It just came off the conveyor belt, and it was hot. And that shit melted in my mouth. I didn't even have to fucking chew it. And I'm like, what is this? I need more of that right now in my life. And then I had a couple more, and I got sick of shit. But I get how that is is super addicting because it's a combination. Uh, there's a place here, um, Chelsea's Kitchen. I think Chelsea's Kitchen still does them. But same company, it's uh, LGO. If you guys are ever here, like in the Phoenix, Arcadia area, there's a place, Postino's, which my wife loves, which is good too. Right next to this place called uh, LGO. And they have pizza, they have all these things. But they have a bakery in there, which is amazing. They have these cookies. They're like these... Uh, chocolate or chocolate chip sea salt cookies 
So there's the sugar, there's the salt, and there's the fats, and they're highly addicting. That, my friends, is that hyper palatable, what we're talking about. That's what drives us in. And almost all of us are susceptible to, oh, susceptible. I'm losing my fucking mind here. Can't even talk. Almost all of us are susceptible to falling into that trap. In fact, the food manufacturers use that kind of flavor formula to create products that you can't stop eating. It's great for sales and they know how many you want to eat and they know what it does to you and how it affects the brain, how it gives you like kind of that dopamine hit where you're just like you keep coming back and back and back. And the biggest challenge with these foods is that they're available and they're everywhere all the time. If the food is in your house or in your possession, either you or somebody who you live with is going to eat it. That's the game. If you keep these foods in your house, either you, your husband, your wife, or your kids is going to consume them. They're not going to last forever. Now, you might buy asparagus, and that shit might go bad. I will say this, um, and this is just a personal brag here for a second. With the sugary stuff, this year of my life, 2021, has by far been the best I've done with not overindulging on sugary you know, sweets and treats. On my birthday... Uh, we went to a restaurant and they knew it was my birthday because my wife does this shit and I do not like it, the attention at all, but they came out, you know, saying me happy birthday. Like I was 12 years old and brought me these three different treats. It was, a like a, a liquor, uh, like a whiskey milkshake and, uh, like a pizuki, which is like ice cream and a cookie kind of together and something else. And they brought all that stuff out. And it's amazing. And uh, I ate it and I realized why I didn't afterwards because I felt like a, like a bag of shit. But I've done better this year than any other year because I'm just not willing to, to be around these things. Uh, and if I do buy something, I know that if I can outlast Heather, she's going to dig into it and eat it before me. Because uh, if it's not open, I'm pretty good about it. If it's not open, I won't dig into it. But once it's open... It's like fair game, man. Like all bets are off. And if you buy these things, you're going to eat them. You just are. Like you'll buy asparagus and it, you might let it sit there. It's rare you're going you're to buy cinnamon rolls and, and not eat them. However, this is the first year in my life where I bought some of the, the cinnamon rolls, like the Pillsbury Grand, like Cinnabon cinnamon rolls. And I'll make them once in a while. And I don't know how to bake for shit. But I do know how to make those cinnamon rolls pretty perfect. And Heather will be like, oh, it's not really baking, even though she can't make them as good as I do. Uh, cause you just pull them right before they're done. So like super soft and gooey and I could eat like all eight of them in two seconds. Cause that's, you know, that's how I roll. The other day I looked at them and this was like probably like a week ago. I'm like, you know what? I haven't had anything sweet like that in so long. And I worked out super hard. I had this insane workout. I'm like, you know what? I feel good. I'm lean. I can throw them in. I'll eat a couple. I won't feel like shit. And I looked at them. I had bought them so long ago. They expired. That's the first time in my life at 38 years old where I have bought some cinnamon rolls and they expired way before I could even eat them. Now, that's fucking crazy. Those things damn near last forever. But I probably bought them a fucking year ago. And it's been that long since I've cracked or caved in. And I do this for a living. And this is the first time in my life that that's happened. So the odds of anybody listening to this that buys something like that and waits so long to consume it, it goes bad, has to be like one in a thousand. 
if not greater than that. And that's why I say you, you try not to keep those things in the house and you try not to be around them. And if you're going to buy them, you buy them in single servings. Obviously, you know, you just have to put yourself in a position to be successful when it comes to this. And I'm not saying you should make all sweets and treats off limits. What I'm saying is you need to create an environment around yourself so you can be successful. And so what would happen if the next time you went to the grocery store, you bought, you know, some fruit instead of a shit ton of cookies? Try it, you know, and see what happens. And I'm not saying you can never buy cookies, but getting fruit or something that's sweet enough is going to be a better choice. I understand at the end of the day, like the macros all add up. But again, I always come back to real food because I find when you buy real food, you're going to self-regulate. I've never ate four bananas in a row. I've eaten, fuck, probably 14 cookies. If you're talking Oreos, I've sure, I've certainly eaten 40 Oreos in a row. I, I know that has happened in my life. I've never ate 40 apples. Not in a row. It's just not going to happen. Even if I eat a whole pack of blueberries, so what? That's way better than you eating a donut. And pick your spots. Just make sure it's worth it. Make sure the cookies are really legit. Make sure the ice cream's really legit. Make sure it's worth, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze. And you're not just feeding your body a bunch of bullshit. And And again, as crazy as it sounds, I've eaten more fruit this year in my life then probably the past five years combined, and we're only nine months in. And I find I'm way leaner overall. Uh, I'm way healthier overall. And I do tend to just have like one or two servings of it as opposed to 10 cinnamon rolls like I was trying to do the other day. Number five, the people who eat out a lot. This is a huge one for a lot of the clients and people that I work with here. Uh, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. It has become quite the culinary spot. It is, uh, it's popular. It's banging. There's a million amazing restaurants. We're going to one tonight that I've never been to. Uh, we have obviously our favorites here, but there's so many places. When people come here, they say, well, what's your favorite place? I'm like, well, what kind of food do you want? It's not like, you know, some people, if you grew up in, you know, a normal little city or a normal little town, you have like one or two restaurants and that's it. And all the other places are basically shit. You got maybe one or two spots you can write home about. Maybe it's a pizza place. Maybe it's a burger joint. Maybe they're known for wings. Maybe it's uh, Chinese food, whatever it is. You don't have everything. We have everything here. Every chain bullshit thing that's ever existed, but all these unique local spots that are just amazing. And it's tough, man. And there's a lot of temptations out there. And our clients do struggle with this. And it's natural, you know, to want to try all these things. Um, That's what life is. It's give and take and there's a balance. I'm not going to tell you guys, you know, what to do and what not to do. But if you're going out to dinner all the time, you got to make better choices. And that goes along with you planning your meals. Like we talked about, obviously, in... uh, you know, the challenge number two, and you can plan how you're going to show up and what you're going to do. And there's tactics that you can go about to be successful in it. If you're going out to eat like once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, then have whatever the fuck you want and plan, plan for it the day before and the day after. But if you're a person who goes out to eat, and I mean, when I say go to eat, not eating in your home food, you actually made, if you're going to all these quick places 
and you're going out to dinner and, and sitting down at lunch or breakfast and you're doing that five, six times a week, you have to make better choices. You can't just always give in to what you want to eat in the moment. That's what kids do. Adults who want to be healthy don't do that. You know, kids do what feels good like in the moment and adults do what's best for them not just today but in the future and that's how you kind of differentiate between the two like what a mature person would do who gives a shit about being healthy and what someone who has no willpower and just always wants to give in and again i'm not saying don't have fun i'm gonna go out tonight i'm sure i'll have a couple beers and we'll do whatever i'll come in here tomorrow i'll work out super hard I'll go to the Vikings game. I'll probably drink a beer there, which is very rare for me to ever drink beer two days in a row. Maybe I won't tonight. Who knows? But we're visiting some good friends, and that might be it. And I'll have it, and I'll eat food. I'll make sure there's protein in it. There's probably going to be some vegetables. And then who knows? If we get a pizza, we'll share it. But whatever. I'm going to have fun. But I don't do that four or five nights a week. I wouldn't look and move and feel this way. So, again, if it's a special occasion and you want some freedom to indulge, then do it. Is the food unique? And is it an amazing restaurant where the food is worth it? If it is, make sure it's what you want to eat and slow down and really savor the experience and enjoy it. Don't just shovel it in your face and keep things moving. How special can the occasion be if you're doing this five, six times a week? It just can't be. Again, you have to find things that are going to align with your best interests and your best healthy eating practices. What I would say is look at the menu before, map things out in your phone. If you know you have business things coming up or personal things coming up and you know you want to enjoy something with your friends and family for a party, but you're going out to like a work dinner or a work lunch, you're probably going to have to make a basic choice, protein, produce, and water. Again, there's no wrong answer here. But what I would tell you guys is decide ahead of time what you're going to do and what you're going to eat before you get to the restaurant. You can give yourself some leeway and flexibility too. But if you don't have a plan, you're probably going to be swayed to make a poor decision once you're there. And what I mean is when people get to a restaurant or they get into a state, they've had two drinks, and now they're going to order dinner. A lot of people get hyped up by the, uh, the environment. And it's those people who can kind of see things through that tend to be more successful than the ones who don't, where you're so jacked up, you've had three drinks, things are flowing, ah, fuck it, let's just get the pizza, ah, let's get the dessert. And if it's a special occasion, sure. But if you're doing this consistently and you're having like eater's remorse and drinker's remorse and you feel worse and worse every morning you wake up after this, that's when you have to take a positive step in the right direction. So if you're somebody who is going to eat out a ton, that's just your lifestyle, that's who you are, you're not going to slow down, you're not going to change, some of the basic things. One, order like plant-rich meals. Shoot for something that has vegetables as like half the plate. Choose a lean protein. Chicken, fish, uh, leaner cuts of steak are fine too. Avoid the breaded food and the fried foods. Those are typically poor choices. Always ask for your dressing on the side and obviously use it, you know, responsibly. Don't drench, you know, your basic green salad with, you know, 400 calories of dressing. It's it's not a good look. Like we said before, eat slowly. And if you can, like, you know, stop when you're maybe like 80% full. 
that tends to put you in a good scenario. Now, again, these aren't hard, fast rules, but it's just like a practical guide for you to make eating at like a fine dining place or even a fast food chain enjoyable and it'll help you be more successful in the long run. Number six, the people who eat larger portions than they need. So maybe you're eating real food, um, but you're just eating too much of it. That's where we get back to tracking macros can be helpful. Um, but you have to really understand how much food do you need. And so I know a lot of people grew up in the clean your plate era and your parents be like, well, clean your plate. There's kids starving in Africa. I'm like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Send them tater tot hot dish in Africa? Like, it's not going to help. Like, we're in Minnesota, lady. Um, I just know that's a certain mentality, and I'm not a fan of that. And again, I don't look at it as like wasting food because it's going to cost you more in the long run to eat it than just to throw it away. And what I mean is if you go to... Like we have these Safeway grocery stores here and their cookies are actually amazing. The ones that they make. And it's, I forget the exact numbers. Cause it's been so long, but you can get like two cookies, like the soft, like, you know, hyper palatable cookies that taste amazing for two bucks. So like two cookies for two bucks, or you can buy like a big tray, like 50 cookies for five bucks. Now, financially speaking, we can figure this out. Two cookies for $2 is a terrible deal if I can get five cookies, or excuse me, 50 cookies for five bucks. But what's better for me in the long run? It might be worse for my wallet, but it's better for me because I'm going to eat two cookies instead of 50 cookies. You have to think of it this way. You only have to take as much food as you really need. And that's where it comes to, you know, slowing down. Uh, and if you're going to eat picking places that serve like normal portion sizes. And then there's nothing wrong with the, the mega meals that some of these chain places serve, if that's what you're into, like uh, like Cheesecake Factory. There's nothing wrong with it, but man, it's a lot of food, dude. And I haven't been in, shit, probably seven, eight years. But when you go in there, like, man, this is a lot of food for me to eat. And you leave feeling full and satisfied, and that's like America, but probably overstuffed and overfull. So the key is to find appropriate size meals. And for a lot of people, that feels completely unnatural because we're used to one way in America. And I don't think that's the way that things need to be, especially when you go to like Europe, if you guys have been out the country. And I'm the typical big ass American. I'm over 200 pounds. Uh, I get hungry. And I remember going to, where were we at? Maybe Sorrento, Italy. This place called uh, the Red Lion, the Red Leon. And I would order two entrees every night. Like, they'll bring out bread and, and that stuff, and I'm not a huge just-eat-plain-bread person. But I would order two entrees, like I was two different people, because they're what I would consider normal size. If I went back now, I'd probably just do one, although, like, pizza and that stuff there is amazing. But you're not used to it, because you're used to, like, American-sized portions. I'm not begging on America. I love it here. But we do give way too much food, especially when you understand, like, what your stomach size is and how many calories and how much energy you actually need for the day, like we overdo it way too much. So again, if you can eat slow, if you can stop when you're maybe like 80% full, and if you leave a little bit left on your plate, who gives a shit? doesn't matter how uncomfortable people feel. You got to do what's best for you. And you can't always pander to the audience. And the point is, is if you do it this way, you're going to be more mindful uh, 
of how you eat. You're going to pay better attention to your hunger cues and your satiety signals. And you're going to slow things down so your brain and gut can communicate to each other. And be like, okay, this is enough food. We need to get used to this new serving size as opposed to what we used to do. Because we're not that person anymore. Especially if you are starting to lose weight uh, and become leaner and become a health person. And that takes time for sure. And like any skill... You're going to improve with practice and over time, and progress is what you guys are chasing, not just perfection. Of course, it can help if you cook at home more often than not, because then you can actually, you know, prepare yourself reasonable sized portions, but you can't do what you've always done and expect to get different results. You just can't. And I know you're used to feeling one way when you eat, but if you're used to always feeling super stuffed and lazy and lay on the couch, if you eat till you're maybe 70-80% full or wherever that percentage lands, you get up and go for a digestion walk later. And maybe you start to change the habit of eating till you're like completely in this like food coma or have a food baby. And a lot of us are used to that and it's a tough cycle to break, but it can be done. I'm living proof of it. I've done it now. It's been a really long progression. I didn't know all these tips. I kind of stumbled onto them uh, by myself, trial and error, and hopefully this can cut uh, the learning curve down for a lot of you guys by just implementing some of these things into your life and being just being more mindful of what you're eating, how many times you're eating, the size of things you're eating, and how you feel afterwards. Number seven. For the people who don't have time to prepare meals. All the people say, I don't plan out my meals. And I eat out too much. It's one and the same, right? All those things are coming from your lack of time management. Your lack of preparation. And like this key resource of like giving a shit about your health. Again, there's a lack of desire, desire for some people um, compared to other activities that they make time for and want to have time for. And dude, I get it. People are busy. You got a job. You got a house to take care of. You got kids. You know, you're making a living. You're working a ton of hours. There's a lot of stress there. You're commuting. You're taking care of other people. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife. You want time to wind down, have some escapism, watch football, watch Netflix, and grabbing takeout so you can sink into the couch, you know, 30 minutes to an hour sooner is a way sexier sell than you making food, going to the grocery store, preparing it, uh, and then cooking it up for yourself. It, it takes time. It's a pain in the ass. I get it. But if you are a person right now who's making, let's say, zero meals at home, Start with like one meal a week, dude. Just one. If you're someone who's making three meals a week right now at home, could you find time to make four? And if you can make just one extra meal, you'll be taking a huge positive step in the right direction to change your behavior and improve your overall health for the rest of your life. That shit's real. And that's how like lasting transformation begins to happen. It's one tiny step at a time. Not by changing every single thing overnight. That can't be done. I didn't do it that way. You guys more than likely won't do it that way. So you have to figure out like what's an actionable step you can take right now, which doesn't seem like much, and just try it. 
Try that out. If you can just do one thing and then practice it the next week. And over time, it becomes easier. And then you ask yourself, could I cook another meal at home? Again, we're striving for progress here, not perfection. And it's what, it's what I say to people all the time when they join our programs, like our fasting program coming up or the 47-day maybe. I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, if you're eating out every meal of the week, like if you are a person who eats, pick a fast food chain, uh, Culver's, uh, McDonald's, fucking Pizza Hut, doesn't matter. If you're eating Pizza Hut seven days a week, you know what? Maybe cut it to six. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you invest that over time and that compounds, that's 52 times you didn't eat at Pizza Hut that you used to eat there. How crazy is that? And honestly, on that journey, you'll you'll get better. It doesn't just stay stagnant at one. If you do it one day, you'll be like, oh, this week I'll, I'll do it two days. And all of a sudden we're, well, shit, now we're at 100 days that we didn't go eat fast food that we used to. It's those little changes that people think don't matter. It's like why doing 10 minutes of mobility every single day is huge. It, it, it'll change the way that you move and feel for the rest of your life if you invest 10 minutes to doing mobility and soft tissue work. If you're listening to me right now, and I don't care how old you are, you could be 55 for all, all that matters, but if you're 25 years old, you're listening to this, you're 35 years old. If you just save $10 a day for retirement for the next 25 years, it's going to change the scope of what your financial future will look like in retirement. As dumb as that sounds, $10 a day, that's it. It's these little things. Your eating is the exact same way. It's the small changes that are stacked up over time that end up being the big changes. Last but not least, number eight, the people who drink too much. Too much booze, wine, beer, whiskey. Uh, If you're into like Trulies and White Claws, I've never had a Truly or a White Claw. I don't really think that's kind of my jam. It seems disgusting. I don't like sparkling water either though. So, but some people love them. Anyway, if you're the person who boozes too too much, you're nodding your head right now. I get it. And so do like 30 some percent of the people that are pulled on this uh, list here. And honestly, I do think a lot of the the athletes and clients I work with, this is kind of like their bugaboo too. Not, Not as many as it used to be. A lot of our people here are becoming way smarter and way healthier, which is awesome to see. But booze is is a tough one, man. People get into it. One drink leads to two. Two leads to three. You get kind of caught up in the in the hype of the party. Uh, I love Heather, and she's great, and she's way better now than she used to be. And we used to be young and stupid, and I was right there with her. Like, I drink 20 beers and then head about the wall and pee my pants, some real stupid shit. But she'll get kind of hyped up in the moment. I'm only going to have a drink. And then all of a sudden, your friends are talking. It's flowing. Music is on. You're in the mode. And you get it changes your state. Your physiology changes. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, shit, I've had six glasses of wine. And now you're like a walking disaster. I get how it happens. Or it used to be a glass of wine only on the weekends. Then it was a glass of wine every single night. Now it's three glasses of wine every night. I've seen the progression happen for people over long periods of time. And it's easy to wander into those habits. It's easy to wander into debt. It's easy to wander into being overweight. It's easy to wander into being a lazy ass. It's really simple to do because it's just like the reverse. It's the small habits over time that stack up and can work against you just like they can work for you. So maybe you're the person who drinks two, three glasses of wine at night. 
and you're wondering if you're relying on booze too much to kind of take the edge off, or maybe you don't during the week, but you go fucking hard on the weekends. Most people fit into kind of one of those two boxes. And even if you don't have, you know, like a serious problem, but your drinking habits, they're affecting your ability to lead a healthier lifestyle by messing with your sleep, uh, affecting your judgment. I mean, you get like late night nachos, ice cream, cookies, whatever it is. And because obviously booze is going to, you know, stimulate your appetite, uh, lower your ambitions, and uh, you, you tend to just make poor decisions. I, I can't tell you how many times in college on a Thursday night, I was 10 drinks in and just making some really, really poor, poor phone calls and poor, poor life decisions. We've all been there and you wake up and you can't find your hat and you only got one shoe on and you either got to walk home in the snow with one shoe or call your roommate. We've all been there and and alcohol is what's doing that. That's, That's not, you normally wouldn't do that, but because you got liquored up and you didn't give a shit and you had a one track mind. It took you to a, to a rough place. And how many times in college, too, where I put a pizza in and then passed it on the couch and woke up in the morning and the oven's still rolling and that pizza is like a small black circle? Just the point is it, it doesn't lead you to make great eating choices and drinking choices. I've never met anybody who woke up at 6 a.m., started watching college game day here, pounded 10 beers, and then later in the afternoon they went through a Metcon and then were having a protein shake and some athletic greens later in the day. Maybe it happened. I don't know, but I tend not to chase, uh, you know, Budweiser with, uh, protein and, and greens. It's not a great combo all the way around. My point is you don't make, you don't make great choices after you're getting fucked up. So you have to ask yourself, you know, what's one action you could take to feel better about, you know, the way that you drink, like, could you have two glasses of wine a night instead of three? a good place to start could you drink more slowly so that maybe the glass of wine lasts a little bit longer just put some kind of governor on there for yourself i don't know but it could help or could you have a glass of water in between your cocktails which is a great honestly way to not feel like shit and honestly stay hydrated you just have to be real with with what's dragging you down and if your alcohol intake you know isn't you know fucking up your work and family life I'm not saying slam the brakes on it and don't drink booze, but if it's holding you back from being healthier and happier and looking and moving and feeling the way that you want to, and if it's stealing your results that you put into the gym, you have to ease yourself into like different habits and you have to notice how you feel. And that's the big key. How do I feel when I don't drink for a day? How do I feel when I have one drink versus four drinks? How do I feel when I have no drinks? Because better self-awareness and better body awareness can result in you making better choices overall because you don't want to feel like a run-down bag of shit, which alcohol tends to do when you're doing it in abundance. So again, you guys, those are just the eight uh, biggest diet problems per uh, this little precision nutrition piece. And a lot of these echo what I've seen here in the gym and online over the past 15 years from people. And hopefully this helps uh, kind of navigate that. And what I'll say before I go is you just... You got to be honest with yourself and it's hard to do at times because usually the thing that you're still holding on to that you don't want to give up is something you really enjoy. You like the taste of it, uh, the flavor of it. You like the way that it makes you feel. It relaxes you. It's a de-stressor. 
It's whatever it is. It brings back a memory. I understand that. I really do, you guys. I've, I had it for a long time. Um, I was never really addicted to food stuff, but there's patterns we fall into. And I did it with alcohol for sure. Uh, I did it with chewing tobacco for a long time, and it just became part of what you were doing. And we want to look at everything else around it. And so I'll get people in here, and I know wine is their problem. Wine is the thing that holds them back, whether it's red wine or rosé or whatever the hell it is. And they drink way too much of it. And that's what's, that's what's making them not be as lean as they want to be. That's what's stealing some of their hard work in the gym is the booze. And they'll do everything around it. Track the macros, make better food choices, do all these things. But the alcohol is just too much in abundance and they're not willing to look themselves in the mirror and be like, you know what, that's the thing that's fucking me up. If I cut back on that, then I'll see the results I want. But it's painful because it's a thing you like to do. That's where the sacrifice comes in. That's where you are doing changes that are going to require a little bit of pain. And I think sometimes, and I'm not saying like pain, like you're hurting yourself, but we think of the gym in that way. And I'm not saying a workout to your body is so sore and it hurts and you're like run down and broken and injured, but there is something to be said about when you push yourself in the gym, like you're riding a salt bike and your legs are burning and you can't breathe and it's fucking terrible. It's going to change you. When you're pushing a sled and it's like your calves are on fire, your heart rate's through the roof, and your quads and your ass are just filling with blood, and you're like, man, this is brutal. That's going to change you. The same feeling, which it's a different like physical feeling, but that same pushing past the point of comfort is what changes in your eating and drinking. When, when, it, when, there's, something, when there's some skin in the game, when it's painful, when you want to eat pizza on a Friday night, because that's what you've always fucking done, and you stop eating pizza on a Friday night, you're going to be pissed off and mad because you're going to say, I'm hungry, you're not hungry. You're just not eating what you want when you want. It's the same thing with the booze. You drink wine every night. You're like, you know what? Now I'm not going to drink wine on Mondays. And then Monday comes and you're pissed because that's your thing. That's the pain. That's like you pushing the sled. You just have to attach your mind to that negative, like painful going without feeling is actually a positive thing. It's, it's counterintuitive to, to what we do. Your body and your mind wants to feel good all the time, but it's that resistance. It's that struggle. It's that sacrifice. It's that get addicted to that shit. If you can get addicted to that, you can build this fortitude within yourself where your mind is so strong that you start to get that high from the negative feeling. Hopefully you're following me when I say that. Did I want to work out today? No. Did I want to do heavy ass walking lunges? No. Did I want to push the sled? No. But every single step, I'm like, this is painful, this sucks, but this is what fucking matters. This is what's changing me. And I'm suffering here in silence so I can enjoy the next day and the next day and the next day. The same thing with the food. I didn't eat all the stuff I wanted to eat this week. I didn't eat pizza this week. I didn't eat cookies this week. I didn't have cakes this week because I'm going out to dinner tonight. So I can kind of enjoy and do what I want to do. And it, that again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's the little changes over time. So if you drink every day, Maybe do one less day. If you're eating shit every day, make one better food choice. Just do one thing today that's going to make you better tomorrow. And just slowly build on those skills over time. And you'll bulletproof your mind and your body in the process. And you'll end up being, you know, the healthiest, happiest version of yourself. And that's where real transformation happens. Because it's that journey of sacrifice 
and dedication and learning and failing and then understanding why you failed and making progress moving forward that you make a real transformation. And once you can do that and you do it for an extended period of time, it changes who you are. It really does. But you have to change one habit before you can change 100 habits. You have to have one good eating day before you can have the 100th good eating day. And we all start in the same spot. We really do. And it's those of us that can consistently put in the effort over time that win. So hopefully that helped you guys. Um, You know, share it with a friend or family member if somebody who you know struggles with their eating or drinking and they're looking for you know, maybe some tips and hacks to uh, to navigate it moving forward because it's one of the biggest things we see people struggle with, man. It really is tough. Again, it's easy in theory, but the application is really difficult for people to overcome and, and kind of move forward. That's why we coach people through it. That's why we run the programs we run. Again, reminder, we got a fasting program kicking off here in 14 days, jeremyscottfitness.com slash intermittent-fasting. I'll put the link in my Instagram bio as well if you want to learn more about fasting. We'll talk all the food stuff, all the protocols. We'll do the workouts. Um, it'll be a good time. And uh, we'll, we'll share a lot of the things that we talked about here inside that group. And we'll find something that's going to work for you and your lifestyle. And again, you do something for long enough, it becomes a habit. And, and that's when you fit into your lifestyle, real, real change happens for the duration. Uh Thanks to all our sponsors. Again, I'm going to put all the sponsors in the show notes, Athletic Greens, Beam CBD, uh, Kettle and Fire Bone Broth, and my homies at jlabpro.com, as well as Joey's Hot Hot Sauce. So uh, if you guys need anything, you want samples on anything, hit me up. If you want to be added to our newsletter, shoot me a message. And if you guys happen to be an Apple podcast, stop. Uh, Don't be a lazy ass. Just drop us a five-star. We truly would appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. And uh, I'll probably pop back on the podcast next Friday with my man, the big, sexy Ben Novak, six foot nine, 300 pounds of just pure badass. And uh, that's what we got going on. So if you guys need something, hit me up. Otherwise, until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.